he comes to speak. Hey, good morning. Can you lift up a great praise to the Lord? Now that was okay. I said a great praise to the Lord. Come on. Come on. He's worthy. He's worthy of everything we could ever give him, think to give him. Uh, I'm just so thankful to be here. Um, the honor is truly mine to be able to speak to you the word that I believe God has given me today. I think oftentimes when we get to the ministry of the word, we have one of two options that we fall into. Either we can engage meaning we're involved in the preaching, the scripture's coming alive to us, we're being vocal as a congregation, saying yes and amen to the things we agree with, questioning, being involved, or we could settle to be entertained. And I believe today you did not get up on this beautiful, wonderful Sunday morning to come to church just to be entertained. I believe if you wanted to be entertained by some Christian media, you could have stayed home and watched God's Not Dead 1, 2, and 3 back to back to back, but you didn't. You got up and you came into the house of the Lord. So who else with me agrees, man, God is going to engage us and encounter us. And you're saying, I'm going to commit to engage what God's going to do today. Amen? Amen. Thank you to our amazing worship team. Can you just give them a holler? They're awesome. Truly amazing. Hey, if you got a Bible in the house, put it up in the air like you just do care. Holler. Okay, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, our amazing usher team is going to hand some out. So if you're in need of a Bible, put your hand up in the air like you just do care as well. Hey, if you don't want to get a Bible, guess what? You can go to the store. You can steal one. God will forgive you. It's okay. If they catch you, just say, Pastor Josh Weisbro told me to do it. I go to Banner Church, and it will all get taken care of. And if you don't want to go through all that, guess what? We got it on the screens. So first things first, I want to give honor where honor is due. Speaking of Pastor Josh and Katie, could you join me as we just honor them as the lead pastors? They're just so amazing. They lead our congregation so well. They lead our staff so well. This truly is an honor. Thank you for giving me this platform, Pastor Josh, and you killed it up there. Pastor Josh said he was worried because he hasn't led worship in two years. I mean, come on, that sounded pretty good. Am I right? Ooh, it was good. I think we need to get him up here more often. All right, in that Bible that you do care about, turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 26, okay? If you're there already, say, I am. If you need some time, say, hold up. All right, be real. That's why I said we got to be real today. Well, you've been following along with us in this Acts series. We are uh, through the book of Acts, reading about how the Spirit of God, how Jesus left and imparted the Holy Spirit to his apostles and how they're being the church. They're living this out on a daily basis. And if you're taking notes this morning, my message title and what we're going to be talking about today is a title called Own the Moment. Say, Own the Moment. Tap that good-looking person next to you and say, Own the Moment. Now tap your obvious second choice on the other side and say, hey, I'm ready to own the moment. It's all right. Hey, David was passed over so many times until he was anointed to be king. It's all right if somebody doesn't tap you. You're still good looking. You're still amazing. So how many of you have ever been in a situation of life and you understood the gravity of it and you understood, man, this is my time to own the moment. Own the moment basically refers to a time or a situation where maybe great courage wells up within you. You had every reason to let the moment pass by, but something in you decided to grab hold of what was going on, right? That makes sense, right? Amen. 
So I've got a crazy story about owning the moment. Um, it actually um, derives from uh, my wife and I. This is my wife, Stacey Kay. She's amazing. She's beautiful. We're just celebrating literally one year of marriage back in March. She's literally the greatest thing that ever happened to me. She's the West Texas twang I never knew I needed in my life. If you've not met her, um, we want to meet you. The honor would be ours. So love to meet you, get to know you. But so Stacy and I met when I was 18 years old. I'm 24 years old now. We were a part of a school of ministry. Uh, we were classmates, if you were. And here's the thing. In our first year of ministry, you couldn't date at all. That was the rule, and that was okay. Thank God for that. Because listen, folks, if that would have been the case, man, I would have been in a dark, dark place. <laughs> I, am, I was the guy that your parents literally warned you about, okay? I was funny, I was charismatic, and all my leaders agreed, but they were just like, you know, Carson's funny, we're just not sure if he's saved or not. <laughs> and that's not a place you want to be, especially not someone you want to date, okay? So a year goes by, I start to notice Stacy. she's so sweet, she's so wonderful, she's so awesome. Listen, guys, the Lord smiled upon me, and she agreed to go on a date with me, okay? I got that far. Again, if you want to talk about owning the moment, there it is right there. She had every reason to not go out with me, but guess what? She did because the Lord's plans and promises will come to fruition. Amen? Amen. So I take her, and we live in Colorado Springs this time. Anybody ever been to Colorado Springs? It's great. It's awesome. The weather is so much nicer um, in the summer. That's all I'll say. I hate snow, unless there's a snowboard under my feet. Anyways, we're in Colorado Springs. I take her to this amazing taco shop because what says first date like tacos? Am I right? Um, it's called Lau's Taco Shop. It's right at the end of Tejon Street, right in Colorado Springs. Mark it down because I know you're going. And so we eat some delicious tacos. Then we walk across the street to Colorado College, which is over a 100-year-old college campus there in the city. So it's just beautiful um, university, the lawn, the buildings. It's all cute and gorgeous. And there's a place called Shove Chapel. Okay, and this is, again, another over a 100-year-old chapel. So it's massive ceilings. Looks like the hull of a ship. Just beautiful stained glass windows, the whole kit and caboodle. And so Stacy and I take a seat as we're admiring the architecture, and we have what's known in the Christian community, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, but it's called a DTR. And that's for, that stands for defining the relationship. Sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's dreaded, okay? Because sometimes someone's trying to have a DTR with you, and you're just not even on the same page. It's like, I think we're ready to get married. And it's like, I don't even know your last name. I don't know you. But so we went there and preps for our DTR. So, you know, I, in all of my eloquent words and all of my charisma, I was able to work out, um, I like you. That was it. That's all I could to utter out just because I was so nervous. I was captivated by her beauty, her grace, her wonder. She's amazing. She's a fashion diva. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm captivated. All I can get out is I, 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 I like you. And she responds with, oh, cars, I like you too. And I'm like, oh, wow. And so there it is, my moment. I see it before me. And so courage envelops me. And what do I do? I lay a kiss right on her. Mwah. Our first date, the first time I'd ever told her I liked her, right there in Show Chapel. Bam. Was it probably the most timely kiss? No. Was it probably the most appropriate time? No. But guess what? When the moment's in front of you, you got to own it. And your boy's celebrating a year of marriage now. So I guess it worked. But so there's always uh, opportunities to own the moment. And oftentimes in life, we have a moment's notice to notice the moment. Amen? That's for free. 
You have a moment's notice to own the uh, to notice the moment. And when it comes to uh, serving God and encountering God, owning the moment probably means one of two things. Either one, it's understanding and seeing what God is trying to do inside of you. How many times I know I've been there. Have I been in a situation where I know God is wanting to take me to another place, but because of fear, anxiety, or whatever, I've stopped. I've been too afraid to step into the purposes of God, and I've missed out. Or two, owning the moment means witnessing the testimony of Jesus to the unbeliever, being salt and light in the earth. So as Christians, if you say, I call myself a little Christ, I am living this out. Owning the moment can look like witnessing the testimony of Jesus. And the feeling you get from owning the moment, man, it's indescribable. I mean, so I see so many people of faith who have been doing this so much longer than I have. Young people, listen, these older people in our church are a blessing. There is something the years will teach you that the days will never know. And the feeling you get from serving the Lord, walking in his will, is the most indescribable feeling because you feel the delight and the splendor of God because you're walking in obedience. And for as great as owning the moment is, if we want to get real, for every one moment we own in our life, there's probably 10, 20, 30 moments we've let just pass us by. Either because of fear or doubt or insecurity or hesitation of either what people will think. And what happens is we forfeit the miracle God wants to deliver, either to you or through you. But how many of you are thankful today that we serve a God who in Scripture says his mercies are new every morning? It says in Scripture that he takes us from glory to glory. That means he's not done with you. That means it doesn't matter where you start or how you started, but it's how you finish. So maybe you're someone today that says, man, I have let every single moment pass me by. I've been on the sidelines. Do not worry. That does not disqualify you from what God is wanting to do. Can someone lift up a shout to the Lord, a praise the Lord, a thankfulness that God is not done with you. His mercies are new every single morning. Not once a week, not once a month, not once a year. Oh, I missed this one. Better wait till next year. Every single morning you have the opportunity to own the moment. And I believe today is a moment that we need to take into consideration and to pay attention to. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity you have given us to dwell in the house of God. Thank you for the spirit of God that is living and active and is ready to speak to us. We open our heart. We open our ears. We open our mind. We want to see you and know you. In Jesus' name, and the whole church said, amen, amen. So Acts chapter 6, we're picking up. If you've been reading uh, chapter 8, excuse me, we've been picking up with the story of Philip. Say Philip. Say I'm ready to get Philip with the presents. I'm joking. That was bad. I was practicing my sermon. I literally made that pun to myself while I was alone. Um, it was bad. But we're picking up on the story of Philip. And if you've been reading along with us, Philip has been wrapping up and is wrapping up this immense, amazing revival in the area of Samaria. Okay? He has been seeing people come to the Lord, people filled with the Holy Spirit. He's finding such success. In modern name terms, man, people are uh, like-clicking and subscribing to his podcast. Man, they're coming to service. They're staying late. Everybody knows who he is. He's going around town getting stuff for free. He's driving through Dutch Rose, and they say, don't even worry about it. Man, Philip is the 
man. But we see in verse 26, it says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is important. Pay attention to this. This is a desert place. So I think it's interesting that God brings Philip out of what Scripture says was a rejoicing city to go to a desert place. Wouldn't that confuse you? I mean, Theo gives a great mention of like the suns and the basketball analogy. If somebody's hot on the court, if they're hitting threes, you do not take them off, right? If someone's on fire, they're hitting it. You don't take them out of the game. Philip was on fire. He was finding success after every single turn. Again, people knew him. They were responsive. And he was seeing people come to know the Lord. But owning the moment oftentimes means you've got to own it outside of your comfort zone. The mature believer will learn, and God reveals to Philip, sometimes you have to leave where you're seated to go where you're needed. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes you've got to leave where you're seated, where you're planted, to go where you're needed. And there's something to say about being seated and planted and rooted, because that's where you have deep roots and you're able to get the richness of the soil and the community you're around. But Believers today believe that God has purposes for every single one of you, and his purposes will come to work on the earth. It says in Psalms that his word will not return to him void. So being, if you want to be used by God, you've got to come to the place where you understand, I may have to leave my zone of comfort, where everyone knows my name, where things are safe, to experience what God is trying to do. Now, here's the thing. I can relate with Philip so well. Like I said, Stacy and I had been a part of ministry in Colorado Springs, both separately and then at the very beginning of our marriage, for five-plus years. Man, we had grown up there, did basically all our college years there, so people knew us. We were ingrained in the church. Again, you want to talk about free Dutch Bros? I have not paid for Dutch Bros in like two years because I knew so many people. It was amazing. I knew where all the great taco spots were. Holla at you, baby. All the great spots but something was calling us away. And that's the thing that we see in Acts is it's never on these believers or their apostles, their great courage and their stamina. Why can't we just be like them? But we see them complete these great acts because they are committed to being fully spirit-led. They're fully led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is the one who draws them out and draws them in. Many years we spent in ministries of prayer, and we would sing this song that would just say, God, put me anywhere, just put your glory in me, I'll serve anywhere, just let me see your beauty. And God's promise of seeing who he is means you've got to go where you've never gone. And Philip does this beautifully. But it's the emphasis of being spirit-led that God will take you to something you've never seen if, you're, if you agree to do something you've never done and you're able to leave your comfort zone. Acts 28 says this, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, what are you reading? So you got to think too. So Philip is called out of 
out of a greatly rejoicing city where everybody knows him to a desert to encounter someone he does not know. And what scripture tells us about this man is first off that he uh, was an Ethiopian and then a eunuch. So if you don't know what the term eunuch means, it uh, represents and uh, relates to a man who has gone through a process being stripped of some of his male reproductive genitalia. Okay, so the reason they did this, eunuch actually translates into bedroom guard. So with there were female royalty or people of the royal family, the guards went under this um, procedure as to remove the temptation or um, as a sign to show that they are trustworthy, right? As to not disrupt the royal family, as to not create, um, you know, offspring or, or different baby. So what we see of this man is that he's committed to his past, right? That he's shown commitment to his kingdom. He's shown commitment because, I mean, he had to choose to go through this process, okay? And then we see that he's a court official and he's over all the treasure. So in modern day terms, this guy would be like a celebrity, okay? He would be um, in the nicest car with the nicest clothes. I mean, he's rolling hot. He knows the coolest people. He's with the royalty. And so Philip is called to walk up to him. Again, imagine a celebrity was driving down the street in their escalator or whatever car, and you just decided to go knock up on the window and say, hey, how are you? You want to be friends? You know what I mean? Just how, like, awkward with that. Even if it wasn't, like, a celebrity or person of notoriety, just walking up to someone's car, like, hey, what's up? Have you? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of fear that comes with it. So oftentimes we do this, right? We stop. We stop uh, witnessing to someone or we stop this encounter because of how much separates us, right? In this passage, Philip could not be more different than this Ethiopian. The term Ethiopian actually translates to um, represent someone of very dark skin. So meaning this person was from Africa, very dark skin. They were racially different. They were from different nationalities. They had different class systems. There could be literally nothing more different about them. But Philip walks up to him. He does not let what he knows about this man stop him. I have a funny story about my wife, Stacy. So honestly, the opposite happens with her when it comes to being starstruck. Has anyone ever been starstruck? Like maybe you've seen someone of notoriety and you're like, homina, 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 homina. You know, you don't approach them. The thing with Stacy is she doesn't care. So one Sunday morning, you know, when, when, when the pastor says, you know, greet the person around you, Stacy begins talking to this woman for several minutes. They become friends. They talk after service. Then after service, someone says, do you know who you were talking to? And Stacy says, no, I have no clue. And he said, that was a girl from The Bachelor. Like she was on The Bachelor and she went really far. And Stacy's like, oh, I had no clue, Right. Okay, example number two, Stacy was in Chicago working a charity event and was communicating with this man, asking if he needed anything, if he needed a place to sit, organizing this room of like a thousand plus people for this conference. And then the man turns around and gets on the stage and starts performing. So that turned out to be the rapper and actor Common. I know many of you, there's a lot of hip hop listeners in this room, but Stacy was communicating with Common, the rapper, had no clue. Okay, here's the best one. About a year ago in Seattle, Stacy was at a pretty famous restaurant and was asked to take a picture of a gentleman and his associate in front of the sign. And Stacy said, of course, of course I'll take your picture. So she takes their picture, gives the phone to him, exchanges some kind words, and then her friends say, do you know who that was? And can you guess? Stacy had no clue. Turns out it was Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and Stacy took a picture of Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. Listen, oftentimes in life, distance creates distortion, meaning the things that separate us cause us to view people 
in an incorrect way. They are so different from me. They're in such a different walk of life from me that I have my own view of them. And they, I, sometimes we can distort the view so much that they don't deserve Jesus. This person I work with is so far gone that they wouldn't even respond to Jesus. This person that I encountered is so wealthy, they can afford not to live with Jesus. Or it goes the other way. Ooh, this person, I don't even want get to get in with that. I'm in all white, they're in all dust. If, they, if I even reach out to them, man, that, that's dangerous. I know what they've done. Because distance creates distortion, but proximity creates passion. The closer you get to something, the more passionate you become about it. And so owning the moment means being spirit-led to get close to people because that's where the encounter takes place. In this example, Stacy was not deterred by these people's fame or notoriety, but she had an encounter with them that everyone else in the room did not have because they let distortion keep them distant. Man, so, so it is true when we're witnessing and being led by the Spirit. If we let the distance of how different we are keep us separate, we'll never see the outpouring that God wants to bring. So owning the moment causes you to come out of your comfort zone and get close to those you wouldn't normally get close with. But here's the thing. When we decide to own the moment, a part of being spirit-led is that there is this godly, spirit, supernatural courage that envelops us. Because, like we said, if we go off of our strength alone, we can't make it. But lucky for us, God sent us the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, the great helper, and he makes up the difference. How many of you are thankful you've got a God that makes up the difference? That there is no barrier, there is no canyon too great that you cannot cross because God makes up the difference. And so we shouldn't let the distance keep us separate. Verse 31, moving on, it says, do you understand what you are reading? So this is um, Philip's response to the Ethiopian because he saw that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? A very unassuming question, correct? Because Philip clearly has, is the, uh, the authority in this topic, studying scripture, but he approaches with a very um, kind approach. Do you, do you know what you're doing? And the Ethiopian replies, how can I, unless someone guides me? He then invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his, humili in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And so he's reading the prophet Isaiah, and what we know is that this passage of Scripture in Isaiah is prophesying of Jesus, the lamb that was slain for all of our sufferings, the one who died to take on all sin. And so he's reading this, but he does not understand. And so what he asks is, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this Scripture he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip clearly has tons of experience. He studied the scripture. He could hit him with the exe exegetical, philosophical, theological truth bedded within the deep fowls of scripture. But he tells him about Jesus. The moment is not fully owned until Jesus is seen rightly. 
because it's the name of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. It's the testimony of Jesus that changes everything. It's clear that this man was, uh, the Ethiopian was intelligent enough that he went to Jerusalem to worship. He's seeking after something. He's curious through his culture. Nothing filled him up. And so he was looking and Philip knew the answer and the answer was Jesus. So he begins to tell him that there was a man named Jesus who was born of a virgin. He was fully God, fully man. He lived a sinless life. And then he was crucified on a cross where all of his blood was poured out. Then he was buried in the grave. But guess what? In three days he rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And all who believe in him and all who call on him will be saved. He understood and saw the reality of who Jesus was, and it changed things. So if you're ever looking to own the moment in your life, just know it takes seeing Jesus rightly. It takes seeing Jesus properly, and this goes both ways. Whether you're witnessing to an unbeliever, it does not matter how many wonderful, amazing words you say unless you point to Jesus. And then many of us have been through church and been trying to own these moments, but we haven't seen Jesus for who, tr who truly is who truly Jesus is. People want to manufacture a Jesus that fits their reality. They want to manufacture a Jesus that fits their convictions or their needs, but there's only one Jesus, guys. There's only one. And it takes seeing him rightly to change things. So I'd like to invite the band up at this moment as we're closing through this passage of Scripture. So we understand Man, to own the moment, you got to get out of your comfort zone. To own the moment, you got to get close. To own the moment, you got to see Jesus. Verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. So again, we see through the scripture that this Ethiopian eunuch was curious about God. That he was unassuming and wasn't too proud to receive revelation in the truth of Jesus. But I think what's important to look at is in his phraseology where he says he's committed and he understands that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now I'm ready to get baptized. And he said, what prevents me from being baptized? So again, you've got to look at the context of who he was. Remember when I said he was a eunuch, meaning he was without certain parts. We see in De Deuteronomy and within Jewish law and standards, he was considered unclean. In Deuteronomy, it actually says that any man who's been emasculated cannot enter the temple. So his past had kept him from encountering Jesus. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of people today, that you've let your past stop you from encountering Jesus. Because you've thought, oh, I've been too committed to my past. I've been, I've been with too many people. I've done this many bad things. I, I, Jesus can never want me. It's prevented me. Maybe I have a desire, but religion prevented me. And that's the truth is religion prevents you from seeing Jesus because of your past. But lucky for us folks, Jesus moves past your past to a relationship. Jesus is not concerned with what you've done. 
but he is wanting to wash all of your sins away with all of his blood and go into a relationship with you. This Ethiopian understood that now, that when he found Jesus after all the religions and things he had tried, Jesus was the only one who did not, did not hold his past against him. So it allowed him to own the moment. While Philip was owning his, witnessing the testimony of Jesus to someone he literally could not be more different than, the courage of God enveloped, and he witnessed, and Jesus was preached, and a man came to know Jesus, this Ethiopian was owning his. He had enough insight to recognize what God is trying to do in this moment. Because church, when you see Jesus, it changes everything. It takes seeing Jesus. And so we see that there was such purpose in that desert. So maybe some of you are going to be real. Say, I'm in a desert. Where's the purpose? I felt God either called me out of a place that was greatly rejoicing or I wandered into this place where it's dry and it's barren. And all I see are people who are not like me. But where is the purpose? God's wanting to deliver that purpose to you today because he does not leave us alone. And Psalms, it says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? If I go up to the heavens, there, you're there. If I make my bed in the pit, you're there. Your highest highs and your lowest lows, God is with you. And God is close to you. And what's amazing about Philip's faithfulness is we can conclude and, and um, figure out that this Ethiopian then returned to his country. We see in the scripture that uh, the following scripture says, when he brought him out of the water, Philip was teleported. I mean, how many of you want to operate in that gift of the Spirit? Amen. Forget gas, forget cars, forget traffic. God, just let me teleport to where I need to be. Thank you, God. I mean, come on. But it says the Ethiopian went on his way and most notably took the gospel that he received, the truth of Jesus, into his country. And we, be and we begin to see the message of Jesus spread throughout Africa. So Philip thought he was leaving a greatly rejoicing city to meet one person. But what he found out, or, or even didn't find out rather, is that his faithfulness bred revival. His faithfulness to be spirit-led and to walk into the desert bred revival for generations to come. So today I'd like to pray for you. I think there's two types of people in the room today. First off, there's some of you that identify with this Ethiopian, that you've been curious about God, that you've heard things about God, but you felt that your past has kept you from encountering him. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I'd just like you to, again, just bow your head, close your eyes. I just feel the Lord saying, you thought that Jesus was this, that you couldn't come to him because of your past. You couldn't come to him because of the sin that you'd committed you're still the same person that keeps screwing up. But the Spirit of God is saying, come forth, my son, my daughter. Walk into the family of God. That's you today. If you're ready to own the moment and follow Jesus for the first time, again, with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you just lift your hand up right now? It's all over the room. You're ready to see the real Jesus and walk into the free gift of salvation.
just pray all of this together? As a whole church, would we pray this for those that are still walking um, beside God, but not with God? Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence that chases us down and does not leave us alone. You are a good father. We pray the revelation of who Jesus truly is. Would we see Jesus rightly and know him wholly? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And there's another type of person in the room today. Maybe you've not, you've been walking with the Lord for some years and you've known God, but you say, man, I've let every single moment pass right by me. I've let fear, I've let timidity, I've maybe let my past, I've let fear of what people will think stop me from owning either one, the outpouring and the breakthrough that God wants to deliver me, or two, being a witness of Jesus to your friends, your family, your workplace. And you're ready to start owning the moment. But you know, it's not, it's not me, it's God in me. And you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit today. You need a fresh encounter of God today. I'm gonna invite our prayer team up and would everyone just stand with me, please? So and our prayer team's gonna be up here in the altar. Just everyone stand. If that's you today and you say, man, I just need a fresh touch of God because I can't make it through another week on my own. My strength got used up yesterday. And guess what? It just got renewed the day before. I only have strength for the day. But God has strength that will supernaturally take me to where I want to go, take me to where I need to be, encounter those that I need to be. I'm ready to go out of where I'm seated to where I'm needed because I'm ready to own the moment. Again, prayer team, if you can just lie this front section as well. I'm going to pray for you as a congregation, and the band's going to sing um, just a worship song over us. Are we singing Mighty Breath of God? Just the mighty breath of God would flow through this place and encounter you. And as I said before, this morning is a moment, and it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. You've got an opportunity today to own the moment. Jesus, I thank you for this congregation of believers. Thank you for all the sons and daughters in the room that know that Jesus loves them and those that don't yet know it. Father, we pray for the Spirit of God to come and just encounter us, Lord. We need your presence. We need your spirit. We can't do it on our own. We feel the pulling of the Holy Spirit drawing us to own the moment. God, would you give us the courage to do so? and the faith to believe you will. We honor you. We love you.